Psalm 25, a Psalm of David. To you, Yahweh, I lift my soul. My God, I have trusted in you. Don't let me be ashamed. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. Yes, no one who waits for you will be shamed. They will be shamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, Yahweh. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Yahweh, remember your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from old times. Don't remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. Remember me according to your loving kindness, for your goodness sake, Yahweh. Good and upright is Yahweh, therefore he will instruct sinners in the way. He will guide the humble in justice, he will teach the humble his way. All the paths of Yahweh are loving kindness and truth, to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, Yahweh, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he who fears Yahweh? He shall instruct him in the way that he shall choose. His soul will dwell at ease. His offspring will inherit the land. The friendship of Yahweh is with those who fear him. He will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever on Yahweh, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O oh, bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my travail. Forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many. They hate me with cruel hatred. O oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be disappointed for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. God redeem Israel out of his troubles. This psalm talks a lot about David's enemies. So in verse 2, David says, My God, I've trusted in you. Don't let me be shamed and don't let my enemies triumph over you. Um, now, David actually had a lot of enemies. He had people that wanted to kill him. <laughs> right at the beginning of his uh, career, so to speak, he killed Goliath and instantly made himself public enemy number one with all the Philistines. And, um, you know, when you're in battle, especially if you're a noted warrior, you know, you're someone that everyone wants to get. And uh, there's honor in killing, you know, a great warrior. So right from the beginning of his young life, as a young man, as a teenager of maybe 17 or 18, he's uh, a desired trophy to be killed. And then as he goes along in his life and becomes king and other things happen, he has enemies all around. And he says to the Lord, don't let my enemies triumph over, over me. And um, now the chances are that you probably don't have anyone trying to kill you. <laughs> Uh, not a person anyway. Now, maybe you do, but most people don't, not in the Western world that we're living in. Our enemies, you know, we may have some people in our lives that make us uncomfortable and we don't really like hanging around, but they're not enemies anywhere remotely like um, David's enemies. But we do have enemies. We have internal enemies and we have external demons. Both of these things are hard to spot. The internal things are things like temptation, and there are even things that we welcome, which are our enemies, like um, bitterness, jealousy, resentment, and attitudes 
Some of these things get into our heart and they are our enemies because they kill us and yet we welcome them in. People love to sit there and stew on their bitterness. <laughs> you know, someone does something wrong and they stew it over and they melt it on their mind. They make it worse and worse and worse and they don't know it's their enemy. David said, don't let me be shamed. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. You should be praying that way. Not letting these nasty, rotten attitudes stew in your head and destroy you. But we also have external demons. You know, they lie, they steal. Demons affect us, they oppress us, and we don't even notice them. And we allow them to, to do that to us. So, Lord, this is David's prayer. Don't let my enemies triumph over me. It's a real prayer that you can pray. In Luke chapter 1, we've got Zechariah. Now, this is... Uh, John the Baptist's dad, he sings a song because he sees, you know, um, you know, there's this whole story of Jesus coming and John the Baptist being born and it's a whole magnificent story. And Zachariah sings this song and in Luke 171, he says, the, the Lord will deliver us from our enemies. So Jesus Christ is the big answer to this prayer. So when David was praying, Lord, deliver me from my enemies, he was thinking, of course, of his problems right then at the time. But it becomes a prayer for the big enemy of all time, which is sin. Now, when we say, oh, our big enemy is sin, the average person thinks, you know, whoop-de-doo, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> but it turns out it's a pretty big deal. All the enemies that this world has ever known, people, they're only like that because of sin. Sin is the thing that has ruined everything. And, um, you know, uh, sometimes people get these fatal diseases and, you know, they cause sores on the body, and, 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 but they're going to die. Well, you want to cure the disease, Band-Aids aren't going to do it. And um, some of the struggles we go through in this life, you know, they're, they're our struggles, they're real struggles. But the real enemy is the big enemy. And Christ came and he defeated the big enemy. Zechariah said, Lord, you have, you have sent deliverance from our enemies. Well, Zechariah might not have been thinking of the big enemy at the time he said that, but that's what it meant. And um, so one of the internal enemies that everyone struggles with, as far as I can tell, is resentment. I, I recently come to the conclusion a few months ago that Christians know you've got to forgive. So they do. They forgive, but it's they forgive in a technical manner. So they've technically done the right thing, but they carry resentment in the heart. And a lot of people do this. Non-Christians, of course, don't have any reason to not carry resentment. Christians know they should forgive, so they try to get rid of, but they carry the resentment still, often just the same. And it closes the heart down, and it's an internal enemy, and it destroys you. I have personally refused to allow resentment to build in my heart. So there are people in my life, um, thank God, not many, I don't really have, I've got no enemies, but there are people who don't see eye to eye and they, they don't cooperate. <laughs> well, I refuse to let resentment build up in my heart. I, I determine I'm gonna treat them as cheerfully and happily as everyone else and I'm going to just have an open heart to them. It doesn't mean you have to agree with the things they say or do, but have an open heart. 
because that's what Christ has done for you. And I suggest that forgiving is a wholehearted forgiving, not just a technical forgiving. To succumb, to succumb to a bad heart is the easy way, but it's not the ways of Christ. In verse 7, David says, Don't remember the sins of my youth. So he probably prayed this prayer when he was older and he was looking back and remembering the dumb things he did when he was young. So that's a prayer we can pray and ask the Lord to forgive us from our dumb sin, sins of our youth. But if you're a young person, pray that the Lord would keep you from the sins of youthfulness so that you don't even experience them. You're far better off not knowing what it's like to live a wild life. In verse 14, it says, The friendship of Yahweh is with those who fear him. When we were going through the book of Job, we learned that the fear of the Lord is wisdom. In the book of Solomon, you know, Proverbs, which we'll get to, we're going to hear him say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which it is. But Job said the fear of the Lord is wisdom. And here we find out that the, the friendship of God is with those who fear him. If you want to be God's friend, you begin with the fear of the Lord. In verse 15, David said, My eyes are ever on Yahweh. Now remember, Yahweh is Jesus in the Old Testament, and he will pluck my feet out of the net. So David's eyes were always on Jesus. And I remembered the story of, you know, when I was thinking about this verse, I was remembering the story of Peter, who hops out of the boat to walk on the water, <laughs> and then he starts sinking, and his eyes are on right then. His eyes go off Jesus. His eyes are looking at the wind and the waves. But then his eyes are back on Jesus. Lord, save me. And so our eyes need to be on Jesus because that's how we are saved. I thought for a minute I would just do a quick biblical comparison with um, some of the tribes of the land. Now, as we were going through the, the historical books of the Bible, which finished with Esther, we, um, we met a lot of different groups of people, Egyptians, Philistines, and Malachites, Moabites, Canaanites, Jebusites. We met heaps of different people. And I said as we were going along that various groups of people symbolized something. Like I remembered saying that the Amalekites, which were a real problem for Israel when they were going through their desert wanderings, that they were symbol of, you know, Satan, basically, of the devil. They were a symbol of the Antichrist and, uh, you know, like just the direct attack of the devil. So when the Amalekites would attack the people of God, this is like a picture of the devil attacking God's people. So, but all these different groups were symbolic of different things. So the Egyptians symbolic of the flesh. So the flesh is our weak human nature. Things like unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, and jealousy. So you got all these stories of the Egyptians oppressing God's people. Well, the flesh still oppresses God's people. We still have those real enemies. Jealousy, bitterness, hatred. Satan, you know, the Amalekites are a picture of Satan. Satan still oppresses God's people. The Moabites were a picture of temptation. Um, they tempted the Israelites. Well, that's a, an enemy we have today. The Canaanites were, you know, idolatrous. So idolatry, worshipping things that become higher than God. That's a temptation and an enemy. The Edomites was, you know, that was an enemy and we struggle with competition, thinking we're better than others. So the Edomites and the, the Israelites were brothers, you know, going all the way back to Jacob and Esau. The Philistines are a picture of false beliefs, you know, false doctrines and lies. That's an enemy today. The Gibeonites were of lies, the Sidonians of pride. So we have 
Figuratively, in all these Bible stories, we had Egyptians, Amalekites, Moabites, Canaanites, Edomites, Philistines, Gibeonites, Sidonians, and others. All of these are symbolic of enemies we still face today and enemies that you no doubt face in your own life. As well as these individual enemies that you face, the body of Christ has its own enemies as well. And these are things like pride, where one church, a whole church will think it's better than another church. Competition, you know, where churches and denominations are competing to be better than each other. These things are enemies of the gospel and enemies of the cross, and they undermine the kingdom of God and the work of Christ. They're wrong and they're false. They're enemies and they need to be defeated. So this psalm is a great, great prayer. And the verse, second verse, don't let my enemies triumph over me, is a prayer that you can pray and you should. Lord, I thank you for Psalm 25. Deliver us from all our enemies, I pray, the ones from within and the ones from without, the ones we see and the ones we don't. Deliver us from all our enemies, O Lord. Amen. Amen. 